Welcome to episode 19. I'm Heather Cohen and I'm here with my team members Tracy Ellis and Chastity Brandon as well as a very special guest that I'm not going to disclose just yet. Tracy, Chastity, y'all here? (laughs) Yes, Yes, (laughs) (laughs) you know me. But you're just going to have to wait like everyone else. Um, So today we're going to be discussing the female army known as the YPJ. Before we do, I want to give you a little background on how I came to know of this amazing group of women. Last year, I was sitting in front of my fireplace enjoying a glass of wine with a friend, having a conversation about, of course, what I always talk about, one of my murder cases that I was trying to solve, when he paid me a compliment that would soon make me realize just how small I really am in the grand scheme of things. He said, you remind me of my friend Hannah. And of course, I'm thinking, who is this Hannah you speak of? She must be pretty cool. I must meet her. And he sends me to the Fear Us Women homepage. And I watched in total awe as this woman from the Western world who left her home was fighting against ISIS and other radical groups to liberate Kurdish women from slavery. My friend gave me her phone number and I arranged an interview with her with the intention of using it for a podcast that following week. However, after speaking with her, I realized that I was absolutely clueless and that in order to show the world what the YPJ was really about, I would need to prepare just a little better. This is not a subject to be taken lightly and it certainly deserves more attention than I had previously given it. The YPG, I'm sorry, the YPJ is an army made of strictly women. Um, It was founded in April of 2013. Fighters are typically between the age of 18 and 40 and includes a diverse collection of races. As of 2017, it had grown to over 24,000 members. In 2014, the United States began to coordinate its airstrikes with the YPJ and its male counterpart, the YPG. The group is based on the writings of Oh, I hope I don't butcher this. Abdullah Aslan, but who is currently imprisoned by the Turkish government and who taught uh, that a basic responsibility of the Kurdish movement was to liberate women. As a member of the YPJ, the women are expected to spend at least a month practicing military tactics and studying on his writings. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to say that as a private investigator, I have seen a lot of things here in the United States that most are not even aware exist. Corruption and injustice are rampant on a local, regional, and national, and even global level. The team and I take 
every single case very, very seriously to the point that I'm sure I can speak for all of us when I say that we know we are making a lot of enemies. It is important to remember that while each case is equally important and worth fighting for, this is about something so much bigger. As most of you know, we have coined the term justice warrior. Being a justice warrior is about searching for the truth, fighting for what is right, and being brave enough to be willing to die for what you believe in. The woman I'm about to introduce you to is every bit of that and more. She is by far one of the most amazing women that I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with, along with all these other women from the YPJ. They are my heroes. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannah Bowman. Hi there. Hi. Did I say it right? Bowman or Bowman? Bowman. Okay. Okay. It's it's just the Swedish spelling of B-O-W-M-A-N. Yeah. So how are you today, Hannah? I'm okay. Yeah? I'm okay. So what made you decide to move away from everything you knew, your friends, your family, the comfort of your home, to fight for people that you had never met before? Oh, that was a mix of different things. Uh, I was 46 at the time, and I was probably having a midlife crisis. I was looking at my life and thinking I hadn't really achieved anything. I didn't have anything to be overly proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just been existing up until then, just working jobs, paying bills. Yeah, but most people just yeah. cut their bangs when they have midlife crisis. <laughs> you went to fight ISIS. <laughs> that's that's pretty serious. Yeah. That's pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the YPJ online. I learned about them just, just randomly, and I was so inspired by these girls who were actually fighting. It's not like in the West where the women in the Army – radio operators or stuff like that these are actually these girls are actually fighting and they're dying like mm-hmm. thousands of them have died you know fighting for women's rights and fighting isis right so i was just so inspired by their commitment and their strength that i was like i don't want to watch this online anymore i don't want to read about it i want to be there this right. is history and i want to be a part of that that's pretty amazing that's that's really amazing i actually really relate to a lot of the things that you say in in the documentary Um, And it really speaks to me. The last time that we spoke, you were telling me about some of the retaliation that you've experienced for speaking out, um, threats that you've received, and even that one of your friends was taking was had been taken hostage. I'm almost scared to ask, but what is the status on that? She was uh, she was taken. They raped her. um, They let her go. They and did then I tried the rest. I tried to get her out of the country, and uh, but that didn't work. So yeah, so she's still there. Oh, yeah. she's still over there, but but yeah. she's not. She's not being held captive by them anymore. She's she's still captive in the sense that she has to censor a lot. She can't do a lot. We don't talk anymore because she's scared of any contact with me. Mm-hmm. Um. So because she was picked on because of her association with me, because there's been so much media around me being over there. Mm-hmm. So it's really messed up. It's so we're, we're, we're incredibly naive as to how corrupt and patriarchal, like patriarchally corrupt it is over there. Right. Right. It's, it's mind boggling how much the men dominate and control. You know, they say that. Oh, the U.S. came in and they, you know, they created a different environment there and it's a safer environment, but really nothing's changed, right? Iraq is still the shithole it was before and things like that. It's still ruled by people who use murder and rape and intimidation and disappearing people to control the population. Nothing has changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, I understand. That must be really frustrating to like watch so many people sacrifice their lives for change that doesn't really seem to come. Yeah, yeah, especially what's happening right now with Turkey invading the region, uh, northern Syria there. You know, all these people, these girls who fought and died for this for this democratic model and just to see Trump push, you know, blow it off and give it and say to Turkey, yeah, go ahead and wipe them out. It's just infuriating. I know a lot of the other veterans are really pissed off about this. Well, can you explain that a little bit more? Because, um, I cause, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but there might be people that are, you know, just kind of clueless as to what any of this even means or what it's about. Can you kind of go into detail a little bit about, you know, what what's going on exactly and how Trump, you know, blew off and, you know, what you just said. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. The, the Kurds in northern Syria are... Uh, they're trying to create a new society. When the civil war in Syria started, the Assad regime pulled their troops from the north, which was relatively peaceful, to fight the rebellion in the south. The Kurds took advantage of that to uh, to essentially start this new society. It's a theory they've been practicing uh, on a personal level and hidden away, mm-hmm. but now they had a chance to like we can instill this into everyday life. So they took advantage of the power vacuum from when Assad left. So they created this. Is that we call it democratic confederalism, and it's a bottom-up democracy, unlike ours, which is top-down. In our democracies, we have a person we elect making decisions for the whole country. We're over there. Everything's done locally. It's a decentralized government, and everything's done by committee, and every committee has to be co-chaired by a man and a woman, mandated, and every committee has to be made up 40% minorities, religious, ethnic minorities. So everyone is represented. And everything's done by vote and stuff like that. So it's it's a really cool democratic model like that. And when you consider that they're pushing for complete gender equality and, and secularism in the Middle East, of all places in the Middle East, which is, you know, thousand years of a very oppressive patriarchy, that's it's amazing what's going on there. And their ideological leader, Abdullah Ocalan, he's ah, the one that thank you. <laughs> well, I really did butcher that, that name, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah. No, that's, that's okay though. You do right. They call him Apple for short, which okay. is Kurdish. It means uncle. So you can just call him Apple, and everybody will know, right? So okay. he's the uh, the ideology ideological leader of the revolution. So but what's happening now is Turkey. You have to consider the Kurds are the indigenous people of those lands. They can be traced back eight thousand years. The Medes in the Bible are are considered to be the early Kurds. Then you have a country like Turkey who are not the indigenous people generally, they come in there and they're trying to kill off the First Nations people of the Middle East. And they're trying to use the guys that, oh, we're trying to get rid of the terrorists. But if you see any of the videos and stuff from the region, you know, a six-year-old child is not a terrorist. Mm -hmm. Right? So they've been, and the the Turkish forces and the Turkish-backed jihadists, and they are jihadists, are using the same tactics as ISIS. Because essentially... ISIS and these, uh, these other groups, they're the same people. They just, you know, they just changed uniforms. Turkey, there's a long history of Turkey supporting ISIS. And there was an American journalist in 2014 named Serena, Sh- Serena Shims, who was reporting from Turkey. And I, she had photos of, I think it was World Health Organization trucks being used to transport ISIS fighters from Turkey into Syria. And she talked about this. She a couple of days later, the Turkish intelligence service, which is called MIT, they accused her of spying. Now, that accusation alone should give you an indication. They didn't accuse her of lying. They accused her of spying. So clearly she was spying on the truth. Right. She saw the truth. And then two days after that accusation, she was mysteriously killed by a cement truck going down the wrong, going the wrong way down the street. 
Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Too many coincidences. Right? So there was another journalist who was strangled in a Turkish airport. Uh, she had spoken out against the Erdogan government. She was strangled in the Turkish airport. The, the police said she choked. She strangled herself with her shoelaces because she missed her plane. <laughs> we believe yeah, that, right? We do. We believe that. This yeah, seems, totally. But I mean, a lot of people do believe that, though. Like a lot of people, you know, that's what they are. There's an information war between the Turks and the Kurds. And the Turks have a lot more reach with their information, right? They're a NATO ally. So when they sit there and they say, oh, yeah, this is happening, the NATO countries just tend to go along with it. But if you consider, if you're an, an independent journalist, a network journalist, a human rights activist, or any of those groups, and you want to go into the, the, Syria, the area of northern Syria, the Kurds control, and monitor them, and go to the refugee camps, and, and go to the front line and stuff, the Kurds give you free access. You can go anywhere. But if you were the same person in Syria or in Turkey, sorry, and you wanted to go to, say, the southeast area of Turkey, which was predominantly Kurdish, and see what's going on there, they restrict your access. Right. And remember, Turkey is the biggest jailer of journalists, right? There's no freedom of access there. Mm -hmm. In southeast Turkey, starting in 2015, after Erdogan lost uh, uh, some seats in the, in the election to the what's called the HDP party, which is a pro-Kurdish party, that southeast region of Turkey, which is predominantly Kurdish, he began a campaign of uh, collective punishment, which is a war crime. There are cities in there that he absolutely leveled. And I shot video and footage. I was right across the border from it in Syria. It was like, you know, half a mile away. And I shot video and footage of the Turkish forces going there and leveling entire sections of these cities. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get that information out there and nobody would pick it up. Because mm -hmm. it's a NATO ally. When Assad does it, when Russia does it, it's all over the news. When it's a NATO ally, nobody says anything. Um, that doesn't seem fair, does it? Uh, yeah, a few hours ago, um, I had word from a friend who had gone missing a few days ago. She was, she's working as a medic in a, a city called Sirikani on the Turkish border. About three days ago, Turkish media started reporting they had killed a Canadian YPJ girl, a volunteer. So, and this was the girl we thought it was, and we were going back and forth trying to communicate with her, and we were getting nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's an indication of, like, the misinformation. She's alive, but what she was, she was in the hospital, and uh, Turkey droned some people outside of the hospital. So when they rushed out to gather them up and bring them into the hospital, Turkey then bombed the hospital, right? Oh, and then we lost contact with her for three days. We thought she'd been killed, but no, she's fine. So well, that's, that's an indication there. Like if, if Russia bombed the hospital, we'd all be talking about it. If Assad bombed the hospital, we'd all be talking about it. Turkey bombs a hospital, Western media says nothing about it. No, that's not right. No, it's messed all. up. Um, I'm going to let my teammates ask you some questions if they have any. Um, Chastity, do you have any questions for Hannah right now? No, not right now. Tracy? I just, I don't know. How do you, um, in your, get it all, combine it with how you live now and how you lived before. How do you come back here and continue with the same, with like what normal you know? life? How do you, how do you go back yeah. to normal life? I guess is what she's asking. Right, right. And, and. Oh, did um, we lose her? I think we lost her. No, she's cool. here. Oh, you're there. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. She's waiting for my stuttering to stop. Um, <laughs> there you are. I'm just being so, the blue sky is just really. 
You have, to, you have to speak you have to speak tracy language to understand yeah. what she's trying to say reconcile <laughs> reconcile reconcile both lives how how do you just both lives yeah reconcile it um i was i was just thinking about that last night and in what ways has it changed me and you know sometimes i think maybe being naive was better mm, i agree uh, because like when I came, I came back and um, I spent three months in Iraq in 2017 and things went horrible while I was there with a friend and stuff like that. Just the girl that was attacked. She that was at that time. So I went through a, that triggered putting more PTSD than the actual war did. And then we tried to rescue her and that rescue attempt failed. And then that added to the PTSD. And that was in, last, in April, 2018. And then I and then I was just I couldn't deal with stuff anymore, so I kind of just went away for a bit. And I kept I tried to keep myself busy for months, but by September of last year, I hit my wall. I realized I had not taken any time to mourn. Close to fifty of my friends have been killed, um, and I yeah, I was really bad there for about six months, starting last September. And I just yeah, I was away. I've taken down all my social media and stuff like that. Um, only the last couple of months have I started to feel normal again, but it's the best way to like if recon reconcile with it. I can't, it's, it's like a scar, right? It's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I can try and not look at the scar, but there's things around every day that remind me of the scar. Um, yeah. every once in a while I'll see somebody like you know a girl in a crowd and I think oh my god that looks like Azadi or that looks like Nupelda or it looks like Nujin and, and I know it's not them but it just triggers it right so yeah that I think that's always going to be there the the cynicism you know I used to think our governments were better but now I know we're not our governments are a big part of the problem um then there's like normal everyday people I don't know what it's like in the U.S., but in Canada, it's definitely a big bubble. We're so geographically remote from the rest of the world that it's not that people here uh, don't necessarily care. It's just that they just don't know because nobody pays attention. Mm -hmm. And I think our societies are set up to keep us so focused on staying out of debt or acquiring possessions that we don't have time to pay attention to bigger issues. Yeah. And because we don't have time to pay attention and we don't have time to protest them. Right? Because when you look at a lot of the protests, the people who protest generally are people who have time to do that. They're not the rich, they're not the filthy rich people who are just running, you know, huge corporations. They're people just like, you know, I work part time, I have time to go to this protest. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but I don't know. It's, I'm kind of, it's frustrating because so many times people just either, either glaze over or they have no clue what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I understand. And I feel your pain on definitely a much smaller level. Um, you know, what we do, my team and I, you know, we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of things and trying to expose corruption, you know, just on local levels. And, um, yeah, I was just, uh, I told Chastity last night, I said, you know, um, I do, I feel, I feel so small compared to you, you know, like what we've done, you know, it seems, it seems big on, you know, on our level, um, but then, you know, to know that there are actually women, you know, on the front line, like fighting and dying and, um, you know, just that seems so much bigger. Um, 
than I can even imagine. So I guess the way that I feel is like how you feel, but definitely on a smaller level. <laughs> so I guess I, I don't think I was really thinking the same thing. This is Tracy. I was thinking the same thing as she's speaking. I'm saying nowhere near what she has gone through, but right. just that the, the corruption that you just are like, you can't go back now. You just can't you, go back. You can't. And it's like, you know, I was just telling my boyfriend the other day, you know, like, um, you know, I kind of miss being ignorant. I kind of miss not knowing what the hell's going on in this world, in this, you know, country and in all of it. Just, I, I just, I wish just, sometimes I wish I could just go back to, you know, when I first moved to Nashville and all I really wanted was to be a, a, a famous singer, you know? And it was like, um, you know, just, just, all wrapped up in media and trying to look good for, for the cameras and, you know, nothing else really mattered. And now it's like, once you, once you've been awoken to what, to the truth, it's like, you can't, you can't go back to, you can't go back to it. You just can't not, you know, I don't know. I mean, I miss, I miss being able to sleep all the way through a night and I'm sure you can relate to that, you know, being able to sleep and not, not waking up in your first thought being about murder or, you know, some, some crazy thing that, that most people don't ever have to think about. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't sleep well. But so, I mean, on that, on that note, I mean, can you, you want to tell us a little bit about your experiences? Um, Because I don't think we've really, you know, even um, shed any light at all to the audience. uh, What kind of, you know, what you've been through, like what kind of life you've lived, you know, being what it's like being on that front line, you know, the, when you guys uh, went in and and took over a territory, you know, the kind of uh, battle that you had to fight. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, I don't, I, I hope this isn't, I don't want to, you know, stir up anything that's going to, you know, I don't mind questions actually. So it's okay. Okay. Um, the, the YPJ, uh, the girls unit, and then there's the YPG, which is the guys unit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, they call themselves a professional army, but by our standards, it's like a, it's a militia. It's like a peasant militia. It's a very poor army. Uh, most of the weapons are bought on the black market and they're old. My first AK was made in 1979. Right. And the ammo we get is generally from China. So it's really kind of sketchy. Um, I, I was a sniper for a little while, so my sniper ammo was hit and miss. You'd always have to, I'd always have to take a shell and shake it just to make sure there was even any powder in it, you know, like oh, that. God. So it was pretty bad. Um, and we were living on, there was one week I remember we, all we had to eat was like man bread and water. So, you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's very poor. We, we slept in bombed out houses. We didn't have people. A lot of Westerners would go there who had served time in a Western army and they were expecting a better standard of military preparedness. And then they find out that there's no mess hall. There's no, there's no medivac. If you get injured, you'll most likely die. People were dying all the time from survivable injuries, mainly because there's no way to treat people. There's no way to evacuate people. Um, the, we had, we didn't have proper armor. We had no personal body armor. Um, our vehicles were generally the Toyota Hilux. If we had a, sometimes we'd mount a, a, a heavy machine gun on them called the, the Dushka. 
Um, but that was it, just handheld radios. We'd coordinate via tablets and uh, cell phones. You know, and it was very, very basic stuff. It was probably like World War One fighting. We were in trenches and things like that, right? We would we would clear out a village and we would have to squat in a house. And that's where we would be based until we could move on to the next location and stuff like that. So it, we didn't have the support of like a Western army, especially in the beginning. Um, airstrikes were still fairly new. They don't, we'd only had them for a few months. So yeah, it was really... My my friends ask me now, hey, they say, let's go camping. I'm like, no, no, I, I was camping for a year. I don't need to do that again. No, I'm done with that. So but that's really what it was, you know, we just camping. There isn't a whole lot of food either. You know, I lost 30 pounds my first three months there. Yeah, it's a very, very back to basics kind of fighting. And you were a sniper. I For the last... <coughs> months I was there I was in a sniper unit for about a month and then in my last unit I was the the only one in the unit with the sniping rifle so yeah I watched the documentary again um at the end of this podcast I'll I'll share that with you guys um with the listeners but I was watching the documentary again and uh you were in the dirt and you were talking about how um you know you had to you had to be very still even when there's you know camel spiders crawling on you and i'm just like nope nope nah i can't do it stop <laughs> for me no <laughs> i can yeah, listen yeah. i can handle some bullets but spiders hell no <laughs> yeah camel spiders are big spiders too. oh it's like no a- it's an ugly looking spider. I have seen pictures of them and they're I think they're almost as terrifying as the as the jihads. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There was a there was a bunch of Western guys who were just like, Yeah, we have no problem fighting ISIS, but a camel spider no. in the bedroom and we're all out of there. No, yeah. no. Can't do it. I had a I actually this is off subject, but I actually had a copperhead in don't ask me how in my um dishwasher. Uh oh. you know what a cop- copperhead snake? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a I had a copperhead snake in my dishwasher two weeks ago, and uh, <laughs> I, just, I about lost it. And and my boyfriend's laughing at me because I mean I'm I don't get scared easy. I, you could ask my team; I stay pretty calm. But man, that snake! I turned around, tried to run, lost my footing, and went flying head first across the kitchen. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I can't do the spiders. I thought. God, that girl had to lay there in the dirt and just let spiders crawl yeah. on her. Oh, gave me the EVGBs. But I'm sure there's so much worse than, um, you know, here I am being a typical Westerner, Westerner and, you know, focusing on the spiders when it's like so much worse that, that you had to, that you had to go through and put up with and deal with. But, um, so last time we talked, you were telling me some of the things that you were dealing with when you came back. Um, like, for instance, that, you know, because Turkey had named you an enemy of the, of, of, of the state, since they had declared that you were an enemy, that the United States also declared you an enemy. And so you're no longer allowed in the, in the U.S. Is it still that way? I'm banned from the U.S. All the Western volunteers are banned from the U.S. now. I don't know if the U.S. has particularly named us a terrorist or an enemy or anything like that, but they're definitely playing some politics and they're banning us. Um, The reasoning behind it is because Turkey has been fighting the Kurds in Turkey for about 40 years. There's a a militia in Turkey called the PKK. 
-hmm. And Turkey has labeled them a terrorist organization, so the other countries have to go along with it, all the other NATO countries, right? Gotcha. But I think it was the European court ruled just last year, the year before, that it is not a terrorist organization. It is a legitimate army uh, fighting to protect themselves. Right? Because Turkey, is, it's a long history of Turkey going in there. And like for the longest time, the Kurdish language was banned. Kurdish culture was banned. The Kurdish flag was banned. You know, they didn't call them Kurds. They called them Mountain Turks. And the only reason when, the, when Turkey was pushing to get into the EU, the EU told them, you need to start respecting human rights more. So they started to allow a little bit of Kurdish mm -hmm. stuff into society. But then when the thing with ISIS started, they it all fell backwards the way it was before, right? So yeah. So something I always ask people is like, if you don't believe Turkey supports ISIS, then how come when ISIS pushed out of Iraq into Syria, they stopped at the Turkish border? Right? It's right. not like Turkey was fighting them. Turkey was supporting them, right? Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, nothing nothing it's it's still a, a war against the Kurds. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean it just blows my mind and I think this was, you know, this is what baffled me the most from our first interview and what still is just so confusing to me is how, you know, you're people like yourself, you know, are volunteering. It's like that saying, no good deed goes unpunished. And it's like, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you sacrifice your comfort, you know, and, um, you know, potentially your life to go fight for, you know, what I think most people uh, can get behind, which is the liberation of these women who are being held captive, you know, so you're doing a good thing, but then you come back and you're punished for it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that just blows my mind that they would... Yeah, clearly somebody is scared of us. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I'm sorry, to, I just I just want you to tell me some of the stuff, because I remember just being completely blown away in our first interview. You talked about um, there was somebody, um, and I don't remember all the details off the top of my head, but that had been imprisoned in Turkey for Facebook posts or something or another. Yeah. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Um, there's been a few people, there was, there was a British volunteer actually, and we don't know why, but he decided to go take a vacation in Turkey. It was a dumb move. They threw him in jail. I think he was sentenced to seven years, but he was out on an appeal and he managed, the official story is he managed to smuggle himself out of the country. I think he either bought or stole a jet ski and jetted across the Mediterranean over to Greece. Okay. It, yeah, lots of people have done that. That's, that could so be how he was. So able he's to not get out. captive I, I, anymore. Pardon? So he's, he's not. not. No, okay. He's free. But there was a French girl who was arrested. Uh, she was sentenced to seven years too. I think she's done three years. They've recently released her on bail. Um, but she has to report, I think, twice a week to the local police. And so, what are they doing uh, that, that's pissing them off so bad? They're supporting the Kurds. If we were we were fighting with the Kurds, right? We were fighting ISIS. That's all we were doing. Turkey uses the excuse, "Oh, well, we're going to support the PKK in in Turkey." And so it's like I've never been to Turkey. I, I have no connection to the PKK. You know, it's like and things. It's 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 so arbitrary. You know, I mean. So all you're doing is fighting these men that hold women captive and like to behead Christians. And for some reason, all of a sudden that makes you a terrorist. Yeah. I'm very confused yeah. about this. 
Yeah, that's essentially it. Well, Erdogan is a, is a jihadist. He's a jihadist himself, right? Um, Erdogan has admi admitted openly admiration for Hitler and the way Hitler ran the country. And uh, he's trying to create, he supports ISIS. It's not a secret. There's, it just takes a, you Google it for a minute and you'll find the stuff that's out there, right? He's trying to turn Turkey into a, a dictatorship. Whenever an opposing party wins any seats, especially an opposing Kurdish party wins any seats, he'll he'll void those results and, and install one of his own ministers to mandate, to take care of that. You know, he's replaced mayors and governors and stuff like that. So Erdogan is a dictator. He's a, he's a jihadist. He's trying to, he's part of the caliphate. He wants to rebuild the caliphate. He wants to turn the area into a, an Islamic uh, oppressive society. There's nothing wrong with Islam itself. Most of the people fighting ISIS were, were Muslims, right? ISIS declared war on Islam. Mm -hmm. But Erdogan is he's a jihadist, you know, you won't find any Western government saying that mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a NATO ally and it's more important to keep the NATO ally than it is to do the right thing. But uh, it's, it's part of the thing that's incredibly frustrating. It's like, though, as Western volunteers, we're trying to get the truth out. We're trying to tell people what's happening, but it's just not. And they're silencing you. They're doing everything that they can to keep you quiet. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, supposedly... In order for Facebook to get access to the Turkish market, they had to agree to a secret moderating center in Turkey. And then they had to agree to five secret rules, which were in a category of only six rules. And the sixth rule was you couldn't de deny the Holocaust. So if you're on Facebook and you were a Holocaust denier, they would kick you off Facebook. The other five rules in this category are specific to Turkey. Nothing pro-PKK, no photos of Abdullah Ocalan, the only person living or dead whose photo is not allowed on Facebook. No maps of Kurdistan, no photos of burning Turkish flags, and nothing negative against Ataturk, who's like the founder of Turkey. So in this whole category of only six rules, five of them are Turkey-specific. And then Turkey was arbitrarily uh, using these rules to ban us, kick us off Facebook. So I was kicked off Facebook so many times for things that didn't come anywhere near to breaking the rules. But because I had a lot of followers, I would get kicked off. And then there's campaigns within Turkey to mass block or mass report people as well so that the, the automated algorithms will kick you off also. So we've, uh, we have people who get into these groups and spy on them and say, oh, yeah, they're about to attack Hannah. So then they send me a message and I can just put my account private or something for a day or two so they can't attack me. Right? Things like that. There's all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a huge information war online. And uh we're we're catch we're playing catch up to Turkey because they have a long long history of you know putting out misinformation. They're good at it. So, um, you know, they really can't touch us too much here in the U.S. Um, am I right in saying that? I mean, they've got these rules, <laughs> but th they can't come arrest us and <laughs> obviously throw us in prison in Turkey like they're doing some well, of these other people. Turkey Turkey has kidnapped people from other countries. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> I think in I think in Czechoslovakia there was like or the Czech Republic sorry that I think there was I'm trying to remember one of the ministers there actually helped admit uh, helped get something like seven people kidnapped and taken back to Turkey. Oh lord! Um, so it does happen, and they have well look at the look at the protests in Washington the other year at the Turkish embassy, and all those Kurdish protesters were attacked by Turkish nationalists. Right on the orders of Erdogan. Erdogan was there, and there's footage of him giving the order, and all of a sudden, all these bodyguards going down, and they attack the Americans. Okay. So there's 
Turks that are they're out there in the world. There's a there's another terrorist organization called the Grey Wolves, and it's a Turkish terrorist organization. It's been around for decades, and their symbol is this. That's their symbol. If you see them doing this, then no you know they're Grey Wolves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Grey Wolves in the German police in Germany. Um, there was an attack here in Canada about seven years ago in Edmonton. Apparently, some Kurds were attacked by some Grey Wolves. So they're around the world too. They could come after us too, right? So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, I figure uh, we haven't, I don't think we've made enough enemies yet. Do you, Tracy, Jess? Then maybe we should just go ahead and. and, uh, We need need more haters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's that saying? If you have enemies, that means you've stood up for something in if, your life. So. If you don't have haters, then well, you're not doing something right. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have people threatening you every <laughs> every day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then you're not. Anyway, um, so I it, we we may need to to stock up on some AKs. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, gosh. I better be careful what I say. That's going to sound too... Uh, that's gonna... You guys are Americans, though. I assume all your closets are full of guns already, right? Uh, and I'm also going Great. to uh, plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to know. They don't need to know what I'm armed with. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I do, I can't even see in my closet to know what's in there anyway. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um... You know, some of the threats, and I know I keep going back to this, but this is what I just remember, you know, last time we talked, you know, some of the things you were telling me about these threats. Tell me about, um, you know, some of the threats that, are you still getting a lot of threats on a daily basis? I know when we talked the first time you were. Um, it's it's slowed down there for about a year, but it, since the, the invasion has restarted about two weeks ago, the threats started coming in again, yeah. And uh, can you tell me about some of those threats? I know you you talked about like getting videos and stuff. I want to, I want I want everybody to know what kind of threats uh, you're getting. There was there was this one Turkish sniper. We had like a fight online. We went back and forth, and then for months after that, he would send me random photos. I assume it's the same guy. He would send me random photos of the people he'd killed in the southeast area of Turkey that I was telling you about, which is predominantly Kurdish, when they were doing their campaign of collectively punishing the Kurds there. And uh, he sent me a photo one day of a child. He was holding, it was maybe like a toddler, holding this baby by its feet. And he had cut the baby in half. So it was like from the waist up. And, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he said that I did this just for you. And he sent me the photo. Is so that, yeah, this and- is their cycle. I have, I have video of Turkish soldiers cutting off people's heads and things like that, right? But... Yeah, nobody. No, Western media oh, won't. Horrible. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. How, I mean, does that is that the kind of stuff that like I know you talk about the PTSD, but like, is that what makes it so hard to sleep at night? And do you are those images that you can't you know like get out of out of your mind? Um, no, no, that's. I think most people assume that because that's what we're told from the movies and stuff. But no, it's with me. That's not the stuff that keeps me up at night. The stuff that keeps me up at night are the girls, the friends I've had who have gone missing and I have no uh, idea who, where they are or anything. So that's what keeps me up at night. So, Do you have any plans to go back? Do you think you'll go back no. and fight anymore? No. 
No, no, I've, I've had too many injuries, uh, just wear and tear injuries. Um, I'm dealing with a lot of medical stuff now because of it. So no, I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. My eyes are messed up. Now I have hearing loss. Yeah. I really injured my knees over there, jumping down off a bridge one day. So yeah, it's just, I'm too, I'm no good anymore. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I think your voice is probably one of the most powerful things, you know, I mean, you're over there fighting and that is, you know, uh, yeah. very commendable, That's but more useful, more useful as a doing the media, like talking about it, spreading the news. Yeah. Right. For sure. yeah. yeah. I think it's amazing. Um, you know, and, and just speaking out because I would have never known about this had, you know, mm-hmm. my, had our mutual friend not, not, you know, told me about you and had I not reached out to you, I never would have known, um, that this even existed, that this was happening. So, yeah. um, it's just, it's just way too easy for us, um, as a society to just slip into this comfort zone and just, you know, be, um, completely brainwashed and blinded by media. Um, you know, just to be kept, like you said, in that, kind of cycle of just, you know, trying to acquire material things and just, you know, it's all about what you have and how you look and, um, and, and just to slip into that and to completely turn our, turn a blind eye to all this political corruption that is going on around us on, like I said before, not just local levels, not state levels, but a global level. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and the more that they are able to keep us um, with our blinders on, focusing on what they're putting in front of us to focus on, you know, yeah. the more that we do that, the more that we are just letting, you know, I mean, it's just, it's taking over. It's um, on every level. So that's what, you know, I mean, that's what you stand for. That's what, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody counts, you know, every, every person counts and every person that you tell your story to and make them aware of, you know, of what is going on. That's one more person that is awoken to the truth. Uh, Yeah. I hope it, I hope it helps for sure. I think it does. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it is, but I hope it does. I think it does. Don't underestimate your, your voice. Cause I think you have a, I think you have a, uh, you know, purpose. I think that is your purpose. Um, Just like how, you know, I feel the same about myself and we, we both have, these assignments, you know, from God. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on, uh, I'm still working on other things. Hopefully we'll bring more media attention to it. Stuff like that. Um, hoping in a couple of months, we're going to have a big announcement, but it's still, I've been working on this for a couple of years now. We'll see how it goes, but okay. anything to help promote it, anything to get the word out. Yeah. Is that, um, having to do with like the documentary perhaps? Uh, it ties in. Okay. I can't really say much anything about right now yeah. because of, no, oh, but it ties in. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. We got something big cooking too. And I kind of dangle little carrots for everybody here and there, but I can't say too much just yet. And also there's always the, I don't know about you, but like, I'm always scared to say too much because until I've learned one thing in life is that's that, you know, until it's actually happening, it can still fall through. So, you know, too many times, you know, I've thought something and and then I go shoot myself in the foot and tell everybody and then I have to come back and be like, nah, it fell through. It didn't, you know, whatever. So, um, so I like to just, you know, hold on to it until, until it's actually happening. And then it's like, you just kind of hit them with it then. But, but yeah, so, um, I, I, I feel like 
big things are coming for you. I, I, I really do. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Well, um, I guess I should let you go and I really, really appreciate you talking. If you have anything else that you want to add before, before we end. No, I think I'm okay. I mean, I could go on for hours, but I'm running out of data, so I won't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Hannah, thank you so much. And uh, I don't know if you heard me say this or not, but, but I mean it from the bottom. You're, you're my hero. So I think, I think you're probably the most awesome badass chick I've ever talked to. So. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's very flattering. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> Definitely. I, I tend to look at my life as a complete mess. Oh so no, don't be like No, me. <laughs> no, no. No, you gotta oh. you gotta understand. I'm the same way, you know, like God God uses some of the most broken uh people with the most messed up lives sometimes to, to do his work because because we're the ones that that understand the most. You know, we're the ones that ah. that can connect with people right. the most. Um, so no, I mean, it was God training, you know, everything, everything that happened up to the point that you began to fulfill your purpose was only training. That was training. Uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I'll, try to, I'll remember that. <laughs> All right, girl. Well, you have a good day. All right. You too. Nice talking thank, to you guys. Thank you. Nice it talking to you great. too. Bye, thank Hannah. You. Bye. Bye. Thank you. What a badass girl is that? Oh, I know, right? Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to anybody who has joined us, and I hope that um, I hope that you have been awoken to some of the things that are going on in this world. And uh, like I've said before, you know, being a justice warrior is about is about um, searching for the truth, fighting for what is right. You know, fighting for people who can't fight for themselves, and. Um, just strive to do that on whatever level you can always every day. So thank you very much for joining us.